How's everybody doing? Had a good week? Okay, so glad that you're here this morning. Shall we pray before we start? So Lord, we just give thanks to you for this day, because this is the day you have made. And we just ask, Lord, that um, you will come in our midst and speak to us and um, help us to hear your message today. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going through um, a series called Dangerous Prayers. You guys remember what last week's was? Lord, break me. Pastor Mark did a great, powerful message on Lord, break me. Um, If we are willing to pray dangerous prayers like this and let God move in our lives, God will break off things that hinder us so that we can walk in victory. These dangerous prayers are actually powerful for the destruction of strongholds of darkness in our lives. Today's dangerous prayer is, Lord, search me. Let's turn to Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24, if you have your Bibles or your phone apps. Psalm 139, 23 to 24, and let's read it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a dangerous prayer, if we mean it. Does anyone remember what John the Baptist's main message was? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the first point in your bulletin notes. The first thing we must do is we must repent from our sins. And repent means to turn away, like do it no more. Did you know, I came across this passage, which kind of surprised me, but did you know that Jesus also preached the same message? In Mark 1, from verse 14, it says, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he said, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. We often hear of God's grace in what Jesus did. But repenting or turning from our sins is also a major part of the good news of Jesus. A few weeks ago, um, my mom, she's Hazel Leong, she's part of the prayer team. Um, Actually, it wasn't a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago. Um, She shared an article with me that she pulled out from a stack that was, you know, she used to collect stacks of stuff, and she pulled out and she reread it again. And it was like, it just stirred her up, and she gave it to me, and she said, Hey, Joe, try read this and tell me what you think it is. What do you think about it? It was an email sent and was distributed in 2008. That's 11 years ago. Um, the title of the article was Revelations of Heaven and Hell by Seven Colombian Youths. I prayed, Lord, is this real testimony? Is this for real? And I felt in my spirit, I felt like the spirit says yes. So I'm going to share it with you. Something that my mom received 11 years ago, she pulled out just in time for me to share with you. Seven youths had gathered to pray and was prepared to go on a picnic later on. Jesus appeared to them and took them to hell and then to heaven, telling them to tell what they saw, to tell towns, nations, cities, churches, and all places that he leads them. There also were scripture passages throughout the testimonies that confirmed that what they saw really is in heaven and hell. 
So I got together a handful of women from our church, and we took turns reading each testimony. And it was just so horrible to read. It was really God's grace, because if I read it at first, I probably would have stopped real quick. But because we read through all the testimonies, um, I feel like um, I really gleaned um, things that I, I learned from this testimony. Um, many people you expect would be there, murderers, robbers, um, drunkards, the sexual immoral who are homosexuals, fornicators, and adulterers. You, you guys know what fornicators are? They're people who aren't married and they have sex to, and they sleep together. Adulterers are those who are married, but they have sex outside of the marriage. So these are things that God teaches us that we need to not do. But the testimonies also revealed that there were many who were Christians who fell short. They were people who didn't repent of their sins. They actually were placed in the worst parts of hell because they knew the truth but didn't walk it. They led, either led double lives, went to church and lived a different way in, in, in secret, or they were backsliders. Um, some people who were in there surprised me. Like, one guy was in there because he didn't tithe. Like, Jesus would take them around and interview the people. Why are you in here? Oh, I didn't tithe. And, um, and so the people were, as I was, surprised. <laughs> like, what? They're in there because they didn't tithe? And, um, and then Jesus explained to the youth that they were there because they thought, they, they thought that tithes and offerings were not important. When his word says it's a command, and I want you to jot down Malachi 3 so you can look it, look it up later. That's the command. When his people withhold their tithes, it hinders the work of the Lord, and then the gospel is not preached. There were Christians who went and frequented nightclubs and danced. And, um, and again, we were like, wow, we're surprised they're there. Women who loved vanity, that they just wanted to be so beautiful and they would do everything they could. In, their, in this earth, that was the, that's how they spent their time. Um, there was even um, liars. Um, you know, lying is not even considered a sin. I mean, you know it's bad, right? But how many liars are punished in our day today, world today? But God um, says don't do that. Um, there was even a normal person there. How many of you say there's so many good people around here who don't know Jesus? For sure they won't go to hell. But there was a normal, people there, normal person there, and he said he was there because he thought just killing and stealing were sins, and he didn't do that. So he never tried to get close to Jesus when he was on earth. Each of these people, when they saw Jesus, they were in so much torment. When they saw him, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, they'd cry out to him, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, give me one more chance. There was one person there who was worried about his wife and child because he was suffering so much and he had hindered them from hearing the message of Jesus. And now he was in hell and he was worried for them. He didn't want them to go there. People were burning, suffering, and tormented. And this is what the Bible teaches hell is like. They were tormented by demons. It was very difficult for me to read, but it was even more difficult for the youths who saw it to, to be there. They kept telling Jesus, I don't want to be here. Take me back. Take me back. And Jesus told them, it's necessary that you see this so you can tell the rest because my people are being destroyed 
My people are ignoring the true salvation, the true road to salvation. It was clear to me that only while we live on earth do we have a chance to repent, to turn from our sins, to turn to God and receive his grace and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. That was a powerful message I got from reading this testimony, and that's why I'm sharing with you today. In fact, my first response personally, after reading about what was going on in hell, I was like, it was our dangerous prayer. Search me, O Lord, and see if there be anything in me that I need to change. I realize how deep deception is over us today as Christians. We are immersed in a culture that is full of sinful things. Grace is heard over repentance. We need to realize that salvation from God is both grace and repentance. In today's world, the focus is primarily on how a person feels. Whatever makes us feel good is seen as acceptable and right. Everyone gets away with these sins, and I'm not talking about judging others. Only God has a right to judge. I'm talking it about how easy it is for us to fall in these sins ourselves. There's a lot of bling-bling in the world that easily gets our attention. In 1 John chapter 2, it says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and all its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Do we love the things of the world? Are we participating in the lusts of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life? Then that is what we need to repent of and change in our lives. We do it by turning to God. What other people think won't matter doesn't matter if people see, oh, she looks like a good person. Only what God thinks matters because he is the one who will judge us. He is the one who will cast sinners into hell. He is the one who will extend grace through Jesus for those who turn to him and repent. Um, I'm going to add this scripture that I took out because um, what Max said, there's some of you that might be here Probably most of you not, but some who might think, you don't know what I did, how evil, what I did, God can't forgive. And so I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 9, and you can jot it down if you want to um, look, up, look it up later. It says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is the part I want you to grab hold of. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. This is the hope. This is the gift that God has given us. And God loves us so much He's giving us time now. You know, um, I actually had someone tell me when I was talking to them about Jesus, hey, Jesus was supposed to be coming back 2,000 years ago. How many of you heard that? But we only have our lives. 
We only have until Christ comes back. And I'm going to share later on some personal stuff, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, for not coming back yet. There was stuff in me I needed to repent of. So how do we switch off our scheduled, busy, prioritized life to do God's will? We can start today with our dangerous prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In James 4, verse 6 through 8, the Bible says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let's humble ourselves. Let's resist the devil and say no to him. Let's say no to the world and its lusts. Let's wash our hands and purify our hearts and turn from our sinful ways. The second point in your outline, let us seek to be pure. Let us seek to be pure. So there's repentance. But, you know, um, I think it was last year sometime. I found it in October um, that the Lord, I was doing my Tuesday night group where we worship and we seek the Lord, and I felt the Lord say, seek to be pure. And that kind of surprised me because, honestly, I'm kind of a person who tries to walk right in God's sight, but he repeated it again, and again, not the same day, but you know, as the months had gone by, so I'm like, oh, something is up then. Seek to be pure, and it, it, I feel like the Lord is, is giving an instruction and a warning. As I worked on this sermon, I realized that we are in such dark times. Evil and deception is heavy in the air, so we need to purposely seek to be pure. If we don't, it will be easier for us to get caught in sin and the love of the world. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. God wants us to seek to be pure, because only the pure can come into his presence. As we seek to be pure in God's eyes, we will receive God's blessing and have a right relationship with him. About 20 years ago, um, I couldn't remember exactly when, but I remember God was teaching me a, a lesson that I would have to go through over and over. And I remember one night, I was thinking about how hurt I was by someone. And I was all worked up, all angry. And I wasn't talking to anybody. I was praying. And I was, it wasn't, it didn't just even happen. It happened in the past. And then the thought and the memories come back. The videotape played over. And the hurt I felt was fresh again. So I cried out to God. And I said, Lord, it's not fair. It's like, I do what's good. And... Somebody walks in sin and I get hurt and I get left carrying this um, result of their sin. Like, what is this? That's not fair. And um, I was crying out to him and nothing was happening. I just felt like darkness over me. And finally, I really 
Lord, you've got to give me victory over this. Because I'm trying to walk in the way you want me to walk. And I keep getting knocked down by getting hurt. And then it keeps coming back in quiet, private moments. And so I said, you've got to help me to be victorious over this. And then I heard a word from the Lord. It just dropped down. Sometimes I seek the Lord, and I'm like, I don't know if that's God. This one, I knew it was God. He said, right after I told him what the person did wrong to me, he said, turn from your wicked ways. What? My wicked ways? But I just told you, they're the ones who did all of this stuff, and I was good to them, and I never lashed back, I never was vengeful, but I just, this thing keeps coming back to bother me. And... Um, so I calmed down, right, after hearing that. Turned from, my, turned from my wicked ways, and I calmed down, and I, I looked up to the Lord, I said, Lord, what are, what are my wicked ways? And I heard silence. But what I did see was I saw myself sputtering, mad, angry, praying to God all the things that people did wrong to me. <laughs> Filled with darkness is what I saw. He just showed me what... I looked like when I prayed to him. And so I said, oh, okay, yeah. I bowed my head, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, because there's uncleanness in me. And I asked the Lord to, I told the Lord, Lord, I forgive them, bless them. And I asked the Lord to heal me, heal my hurt. And I asked the Lord to cleanse me. Heal my heart to forgive me and cleanse me. And the Lord answered that prayer. Frankly, it wasn't a one-time deal. Over the years, over and over and over and over, with different people, because I dealt with that one, right? To tell you the truth, I don't remember who it was or what they did. All I remember is what I told you, that lesson I learned. And um, um, the battle we are in is spiritual. The most recent one I remember, I was in my bedroom and I was just happily doing something. All of a sudden, it's like a dark helmet came over me. The video played of something else, another situation. I started getting mad. Oh, those people. Mm. Like getting riled up again, right? I realized it's like a spirit that comes and he's called the accuser of the brethren. So he starts accusing them. Oh, they did this to you. They did that to you. And once I recognized that, I said, stop. I don't agree with you. Go away. Then I went to the Lord, Lord, I forgive that person. Please cleanse me. I promise the next minute, I was singing happily, it like was all forgotten. We are really in, that's the spiritual battle we're in. Proverbs 16.2 says, People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. A key way to be pure is by treasuring God's word, his scriptures in our hearts. And that takes time and effort. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Even in the passages we read today, there's a lot of things popping up. Yeah, oh, that's, this is sin. This is what God thinks that sin is. We didn't even realize it. Because God's word in our heart is, what, is the sword that God gives us to fight against, this, fight in this spiritual battle. We need to make time for it. So I try to make a daily effort to spend time in the word in prayer, and in worship. I try not to do all the talking, but let, let God have a chance for me to listen to what he's saying. When I hear God's instruction, I'll wrestle with my flesh and try to quickly obey him. Because inevitably, everything God asks us to do, 
we'll have to wrestle with our flesh. Throw it aside. Okay, God, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to do it. This is how we seek to be pure. My third point in the outline is take action by obeying God. Again, this is something only we can do. John 3.36 says, And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So many people say, Oh, I know Jesus. Yeah, I pray to believe him. I pray to receive him. But if their lives aren't changed in obedience to him, then that's the fruit of what is true. And you want to deal with it now while you're living because once you're in hell, it'll be too late. Once God judges you, it'll be too late. God offers us eternal life and is looking for obedience. We can say we believe in Jesus, but if we don't obey, then we will face God's angry judgment, it says right here in the Bible. After I read the Heaven and Hell article and prayed our dangerous prayer, search me, O Lord, what am I doing? You know what came to mind is like that guy who didn't tithe surprised me. Like I'm tithing, but what the Lord has been teaching me over the years is he wants us to honor the Sabbath. And so I've been really trying to honor the Sabbath. After I read this, I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm doing it right. The Sabbath is not only in the Ten Commandments. It's even in the very beginning when God created heaven and earth. He finished his work. Then he blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work and he wants us to do the same. When I first learned about it, I thought honoring the Sabbath is just not working. So we wouldn't go to work, but then we can do whatever we want. And then I came across Isaiah 58. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and honor it, resisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. So honoring the Sabbath is doing more than just not working. I think it really is just resting and reflecting on um, all God created and who he is. I've been trying to do that. It's not easy. When you're sick, it's easy to rest. When you're healthy, um, it's not as easy, but I want to encourage you folks to do it too, just because the Lord commands us. It's tough to both tithe and do our Sabbath in this lifestyle. We're so busy. Everything's scheduled every single day, and we like to have fun. That was what the Lord told me. So I want to ask you to seek for yourself. Search me, O Lord. What is the Lord asking of you? You know, if you have questions on Sabbath or tithing, you can do a word search on BibleGateway.com. See what the Bible says. Read it for yourself. From my personal experience, I think that the only way we can obey God is if we love him. The greatest commandment is found in Mark 12. And um, Jesus is saying, speaking, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Do you? When I was in middle school, it was the first time I kind of read it, and it just, boom, I looked at myself, and I go, no way. I love, I love myself more. If I was being honest with myself, if God asked me to do something and I was scared, I would run. I wouldn't do it. 
But I, I, at that time, I realized how serious God's first commandment was to love him with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. So I prayed, Lord, forgive me because I love myself more than you. I confessed it to the Lord. Then I asked the Lord, please help me to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help me to fulfill your greatest command, to walk in it. Help me to love you more than myself. That was in middle school. Since then, the Lord has been asking me to do a lot of difficult things. Looking back, I know I wouldn't do those difficult things, even being up here, except that I love him. And I love his people. And I want us to be ready for him when he comes. And he said he's coming again. Are we ready? God answered my prayer in middle school. And I have no regrets in following Jesus, even though it's never not even though it's been difficult and not as easy as what other people's lives are. So I would encourage you to pray the same way. I learned a lot about God's love by raising my children. When they were young, we tell them what to do, not to be bossy, but because we're older, we're wiser, we've experienced, and we see more than they see. So we tell them, brush your teeth, morning and night, eat your vegetables, do your homework, sit down and do your homework. <laughs> Do your chores. Let's go to the doctor. You've got to get your shot. Most of the instructions we give them, they don't want to do. But all the instructions we give them that I've given them, it's been for their good because I can see beyond what they can see. Another thing I noticed is that, you know, the children, if they love you, they'll do it even if they don't want to because they love you and want to please you. Our relationship with God the Father is similar. He only has good intentions for us. God really loves us. He sees far beyond what we see. And we will obey him if we love him. I found a passage that totally sums up today's message. So I'll read it for you. It's found in 1 John chapter 3. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Pretty serious stuff. Let's not mess around with God and his grace. Let's humble ourselves. 
turn from our sins, seek to be pure, and take action by doing God's will in our lives. Living for Jesus is not easy. In 2 Timothy 3, it says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In verse 14, it goes on to say, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, no matter what difficult times we go through in our faith as Christians. We have to remember that God, Jesus and God expects us, what he's expecting us is to endure to the end. Because he also tells us difficult times will come just before he comes. So let's hold fast and endure in faith and love in Jesus. Let's not get intimidated. Let's not shrink back. Let's not walk in sin. We are not alone. God is with us. And he empowers us with the Holy Spirit if we let him. The seven youths also saw heaven and gave testimony of it. Heaven, as opposed to hell, was peaceful, joyful, so beautiful, so amazing beyond the words that they could use to describe it. Heaven is well worth all the trouble we may encounter for following Jesus here on earth. If you would like a copy of the testimonies, I have a sign-up sheet right outside on the table. Just sign in your name and email, and I'll email it to you. Um, God is true to his word, so let's take heed to the warning he's sending us. He's giving us time to repent and seek to be pure while we are here on earth so that when he comes again, we'll be pure as he is pure. Let's work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There is little time. Let's learn to walk with him wholeheartedly and sincerely and not have other loves before him. And then let's start praying for the lost around us. And be prepared to share the good news of Jesus with them when God opens the opportunity. We can start by praying our dangerous prayer. Pray with me. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it is, I really believe this is such an important series for our church, for all of us, an important time. And, you know, these are dangerous. These are tough prayers to pray, but they're very important ones. Whether it be to break, Father, break me, or Father, search me. And the thing that I get from here is this, is that God's just not going to come and barge in, right? We have to say, you know, we have to give God permission. And we say, Father, will you search me? And you know what I thought is right now, I know we, we took communion and all that, but I, I think um, let's take a little bit of time you know, as the worship team is playing, um, and you just quietly pray, God, will you search my heart? Is there, is there anything in my heart that offends you, you know, that, that I fall short? And then the Bible says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then what I would say is, just say, God, search me. Search me, oh God. 
And then you just pray and say, God, thank you for your forgiveness. <clears throat> and then I think as a way of walking in that forgiveness, I'm going to ask you just come up and just take communion. Just take it back to your seat and say, God, thank you. And you just take communion by yourself. As a way of saying, God, I just receive. I receive your forgiveness. So why don't you stand with me? encourage you, all of you, you know, just let God fill your heart with his forgiveness. So just come up as a worship team. Just take some time. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God shows you something and you just come up and say, God, thank you so much. Right, So let's pray. Father, I just pray right now. Search us. We give you permission. And we are so grateful that repentance is not condemnation. For there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That this is a wonderful time. A freeing time. A cleansing time. A joyful time for us to turn back to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.